source for everything paranormal, Para-X. The views expressed and the opinions given by the individual host and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Para-X, its affiliates, or its sponsors. The Gathering. The supernatural world can be a dark, intimidating, and scary place. We gather to shine light on the mysterious and misunderstood aspects of the paranormal world. We bring to the table years of experience as mediums, healing channels, and paranormal investigators. We share true stories from our experiences to dispel fear where we can and help you discover the amazing layers that make up the paranormal world. You are invited to gather around the metaphysical table with us and discuss the worlds of the unseen on The Gathering Radio Show. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to The Gathering Radio Show on the Para-X Radio Network. This is Heidi. And this is Stephanie. And this is... Tokate Tuesday. Woohoo! We exciting, are excited. exciting. Yes, yes. And it's also a hot tamale and happy hot Tuesday to everyone who lives in the Midwest because it's hot here. It is. It's yeah. not not as bad as I thought, but it's no. it's warm enough for yeah. us. We were uh, just talking. Yeah, we're not we were used to talk- this yet. No, no. But we were talking just before the show, and I said. I expected I was inside all day until I left to come home and I was expecting it to be so much hotter. I was actually surprised, you know? Yeah. So, but it's hot. It's absolutely hot. It's, yeah, it's warm, but you know, it's Minnesota summer. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Last week it was 45. This week it's 95. <laughs> yeah. You know, cause that's how we roll here. It is. It is. So but that's what makes us cool beans. <laughs> I suppose (laughs) if we don't like it, I guess we can keep moving further north. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, today we were, I'm so delighted that Howard Garrett could join us again, Heidi, because last time we just didn't get enough time to talk to him and we had a million other questions to ask. Um, And so we get to continue the conversation tonight. Yes. And we have a lot to talk about, especially since our last show with him. Mm There's news. So, hi, Howard. Welcome back to the Gathering Radio Show. Hi, Heidi and Stephanie. Uh, thank you for inviting me. I'm always yes. happy to talk about Toki. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, there is. there is. So, last time we talked, you know, everyone was eagerly awaiting some kind of something to happen. And something has happened. So, do you want to tell us what else What else going on? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, after a, a long silence, uh, almost two months, but uh, it was worth it because uh, in the middle of May, uh, as promised, uh, two independent and very reliable, I I know one of them personally and the other by good reputation, uh, uh, veterinarians examined Toki uh, in her tank and gave a report. Uh, The report came out, uh, I think it was June 3rd. And it was as I hoped and expected. Uh, And so I'm pretty pleased with the results. What it showed was that she is basically very healthy. And she did have uh, some kind of uh, mystery illness. They they couldn't pin down what it was. People have said pneumonia. uh, But whatever it was, it uh, altered her her blood work, her white blood cell count, etc. Over the winter. So from December until March or sometime in March, she did have some kind of illness going on. Uh, But since then, it has cleared up. The the trend line of her blood work shows she's getting healthier by the day. And they expect within a couple of weeks, uh, she should have a clean bill of health and be ready to travel. She does have... uh, what they call a low-grade anemia, uh, which may have been 
uh, because of the, the bad water quality, uh, they, they do, you know, chlorinate it and filter it to a certain oh. extent, but not us. Um, yeah, I know. I mean, you shouldn't have to live in any no. of those kind of conditions. No. But uh, they can make it a little better so that she'll be even healthier. But behaviorally, this was both a physical and behavioral exam, and they report that uh, she's just as active and engaged and interactive and responsive and energetic as ever. So she sounds real good, and uh, that's that's what I was hoping for. So within you know, a couple of months on the outside, I am confident that she'll be able to travel. She'll be in wow. perfect physical condition. Yeah. Wow. That's so yeah. exciting, Howard. That's so exciting. Yeah. It really is. It really is. So. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So, uh, wow. So a couple months. It's so it's yeah. so cool that a story that has that we were talking in decades mm-hmm. before we can now start talking about in weeks and months. Yes. yes. Exactly. Exactly. And and we've never had any timeline before, even any mm-hmm. communication with the owners. You know, so. This is now a collaboration of the owners whose whose own self interest. I mean, you know, I, I I'm sure they care about her to you know to some extent, mm-hmm. but uh, they also are kind of between a rock and a hard place because she can't stay there. Uh, she's mm-hmm. in a whale's bowl, you know, a tank that is off limits. It has been declared in violation of Animal Welfare Act regulations, uh, finally. I mean, it has been all these years, but it was finally declared that uh, in in March mm-hmm. by the USDA, and that meant nobody can go in. They cannot charge money. They can't even use her name or her image or anything. She is completely out of bounds from the public. So she's a liability. They cannot make any money off of her. Uh, and and she can't stay there because it's a dilapidated, you know, unsafe place, really, mm-hmm. because violation of all these regulations. So, and it's 52 years old. And you know, what's really amazing is that it was built at the time that Toki was was brought there in 1970 for her and for Hugo, the the male orca that they already had. And she has outlived the tank. <laughs> mm-hmm. That sort wow. of is the way to to see the 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 miracle of her survival. That she is able to persevere and and keep her her head up and her spirit strong and and all of her teeth, <laughs> you know, which yes. is a good sign. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and be ready to travel even after almost 52 years in that tank. So, you know, I mean, she's just a wonder. I, I just, I, I'm in awe. I mean, can you, so too much. So, Howard, let me just say this. I will be on San Juan Island for 10 days in August. <laughs> I'm like, well, fingers crossed, maybe. Yeah, let's do it then. <laughs> maybe she'll be there, you know? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this is like so exciting because, you know, the first time I ever went to San Juan Island was in 1996. And I think I talked to you shortly after that because we found out about Lolita, or, you know, Lolita Tokate. Um, right. So this has been so long and so, I mean, we sure have kept her in our minds all these years, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, prayers I, I, and. That is so true. And I think that's. Uh, you know, maybe unseen forces or hard mm-hmm. to, you know, show a direct line. But uh, I think so many people's heartfelt desires and 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 just wishes for her and and empathy for her mm-hmm. and, and want her to have a better life. I mean, that yes. that has been growing and growing and growing over the mm-hmm. years, and I think that's just had a you know, a big effect on, on making it happen somehow. Oh. <laughs> I, I can't put that down exactly, but absolutely, um, it hasn't quite happened yet. So, you know, we've got to, you know, keep our, our spirits strong for her, but absolutely, uh, yeah, oh. we, you know, nobody knew of any kind of changes in her situation at all 
until less than a year ago, last August. You know, when the the new owner uh, announced that, that they were going to buy the park. And then a month later, the USDA comes out with this scathing report about the practices and conditions and, and you know, bad food and not enough food yeah. and bad and just, you know, so many different, uh, you know, charges that were against this aquarium. And, you know, that is what led finally to the USDA saying you cannot charge money for people to go into that stadium. It's not safe and she shouldn't be there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, that's she shouldn't. So, so, you know, <sighs> suddenly all the logic says she's got to move somewhere very soon. Oh, we need to help yeah. her pack her bags, Howard, and get her home. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'll be there. <laughs> uh, me too. Me, I hope so. I hope it's when I'm there. Oh, my gosh. It would be like the best prayer ever answered. Yeah. Oh uh, so we, yeah. Have, we have a question in the chat room, Howard. If you have any idea about the details of how they would move her when it comes time for that. Well, the actual move is is not a mystery. It's according to protocols. Uh, it's been done really a hundred or more times by the industry. You know, since the '60s. I mean, mm-hmm. when they started moving whales around, they've certainly you know improved their practices. But uh, it, she will. Uh, if any of you saw the how Keiko got mm-hmm. to Iceland, it's uh, a tenth of that problem <laughs> because. Mm-hmm. You all the way from Oregon to Iceland, but she just has to come across the country. So she'll swim into a stretcher that is custom made for her with holes for her her fins and her eyes. Uh, and she'll be lifted out and lowered into a container, like a uh, you know, a container on a on a transport ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, only it'll be open and it'll uh, be half full of chilled water and then the stretcher will be uh, she'll be sort of suspended in the water so she'll be at least half in the water for the trip and then that will be taken to a cargo plane kept level there's a way to do that and get it into the plane and fly her back over uh, to Bellingham Washington which is the closest airport Mm -hmm. to the San Juan Islands and then you know reversed uh, you know, driven out, put on a flatbed truck and onto a barge, which will be equipped with a crane that can lift her out of that container. And that'll go out to the location and she'll mm-hmm. be lowered into her native waters. And I can just imagine the relief oh. she feels. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even imagine. Wow. Yeah. So that, those nice, chilly waters of the Salish Sea versus that hot chlorinated water in Miami. Yeah. Well, you know? uh, they do chill it. They learned long okay. ago that if they want to keep, you know, their, their whales alive. Mm-hmm. They had to fill the water. So I don't know to what temperature I've heard either 65 or 55 degrees. Um, so that's a little warmer than it is mm-hmm. here, but, but not not a big transition, and you know whales have got uh, this thermal regulation system. They can alter their 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 blood circulation to either heat or cool down. You know uh, to shed heat or conserve it. So uh, you know she'll adapt immediately to mm-hmm. to her waters. Not mm-hmm. a problem there. Oh, and you can only imagine the joy she will feel. Right. Oh my gosh! I I know, and uh, the the example was Keiko mm-hmm. when he was lowered into his home waters in Iceland. Yeah, uh, the, the stories that that didn't really hit the media, uh, but were, were sort of the conversations that uh, did get out were that uh, when he was lowered into the water. He just immediately took off, and he had been like mobilized for 19 hours, you know, in the yeah, but, but he he took off and you know just pumped his flukes and and headed for every nook and cranny and explored and stayed down for 17 minutes 
mm-hmm. <laughs> because you want to see and, and oh, yes. take a look at everything and just get all the contours and and just enjoy mm-hmm. being back, you know. So I am sure she'll have the same response. Oh, absolutely. Um, and then another question is, are they, she'll be in a C-pen, right? So that's her destination. Right. Right, and I don't know details about that. That's mm-hmm. being handled by the Whale Sanctuary Project uh, mm-hmm. in collaboration with the Lummi Elders. Uh, the Sacred Lands Conservancy is the nonprofit organization that is working with the Whale Sanctuary Project, and and they're looking at different locations. And uh, it really doesn't take a whole lot of construction. I mean, mm-hmm. when you when you have a cove. What needs to be done is then, you know, a, a, a net has to be drawn. And it, you know, it should be fairly substantial. Um, and maybe two nets to have a perimeter around. Uh, but, you know, that's to be conservative. It, 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 she really doesn't need all that much. And there has to be a way for people to go out and see her or a platform where they can you know, check her out, check her blood levels, you know, do whatever medical exams and and feed her. I mean, because she won't be able to sort of roam around and forage much for herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least, you know, it, it, in the early months. And, and this is where uh, it sort of depends on how you see her and her capabilities as far as seeing how long she'll need to be confined in in a c-pen um you know i i I think that's definitely the the professional conservative thing to do at first is to is to you know sort of be able to observe her and supervise Mm -hmm. everything for a period of months Uh, and you know it could be a few could be a few more i don't know but because it will depend on her responses and her uh her health you know her parameters and her body language, <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. will she, you know, like looking beyond, you know, kind of poking at the net and and echolocating as far as she can, and and uh, you know, real interested. And mm-hmm. if she is, and she's in good health, uh, there can be a time when uh, you can, you know, drop the net, open the gate, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and accompany. Her. You know, go along with her, you know, with, yeah. a, with a comeback signal, you know, if you need it, and, and let her go exploring. Mm-hmm. I think uh, mm-hmm. I think she'll love it. Oh, I do, too. <laughs> well, and I think when she gets back out there, I mean, can you imagine from that small little pool where she is now to the open ocean? So she's yeah. not as strong as she needs to be to live wild, correct? So she needs to get some of that strength well, back. Oh, she does. She does. Uh, she does pretty well, even in that tiny tank, though. I, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, she's been doing, you know, two or three shows a day up until last summer, uh, and those shows involve five breaches usually for each show. A oh, lot of energy. yes. Uh, so you know that amounts to a workout. <laughs> oh yeah. And and what's really amazing is that. Even uh, before the shows, when there are no trainers, nobody's telling her to do it, but she just takes off and does, I mean, they're tight circles, mm-hmm. but she does laps. <laughs> I mean, she, she does wow. pretty laps. She builds up a lot of steam and throws a big bow wave out, you know, and and uh, really streaks along in that in that tiny tiny space. So she does, you know, get some exercise. But boy, when she can go anywhere she wants, you know, oh. a straight line as long as she wants. Can you imagine? Yes. Oh, <laughs> she will. No, I I just think, oh my gosh, you know. And I, you know, when Keiko was brought up from that aquarium in Mexico, he was pretty sick, right? I mean, there was a total yeah. difference between him and. Togi, um, yeah, because they brought him to the Oregon Coast Aquarium, which was a huge. I mean, that was a great facility too. We were there the same year we found San Juan Island, <laughs> and that was yeah. that was really a cool thing for him. And and then they re, you know, he had some health issues. He had some 
that skin virus, which isn't it amazing that Toki doesn't have that after being in that pool for so many years. Um, Remember his skin was like all pocky or, you know, bubbly. Yeah, it it was, it was a papilloma virus. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, But, but it did clear up. It did because it was natural seawater. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It came right out of the Pacific Ocean. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and then when they brought him to Iceland, he was just wow, wow. That was just amazing. Yeah. And then he decided to, when he left, did they open the gate or did he get out somehow? I can't remember how that went, but he he was ready to go and he left. Right. Oh, he definitely was. Well, they they took him out on walks for a oh. couple of years, increasingly, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so that. You know, maybe they were kind of like helicopter parents, you know, maybe mm-hmm. they over-supervised sure. I'm not sure, but, yeah. you know, they're being very, uh, yeah. but then they would call him back. And so he'd, mm-hmm. you know, go back in and he would, you know, stay overnight. You know, I don't know. I wish there were logs so we would know exactly how often he did that and for how long and everything. But, mm-hmm. but there were, you know, many episodes for a couple of years where he was going out and, sometimes mixing with wild whales and uh but yeah uh they took him out and uh they had to come in because of weather mm-hmm. and he did with them and he stayed out there for a month he was radio tagged so they knew his location uh and he stayed around iceland for about a month and then he just headed east yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Uh, Went on a month-long walkabout to Norway. I know. I know. Showed up in good shape. You know, a little hungry, yeah. but he had not, well, a little tired, I guess. But he had mm-hmm. been eating. He'd been mm-hmm. foraging for himself, catching wild fish mm-hmm. the entire time. So mm-hmm. uh, managed. He had those skills. He did. He did. And he was a baby. He was uh, just tiny when they brought him. You know, they took yeah. him out of the waters. That's right. He was uh, two years old or less. Yeah. And yeah. Cookie was more like four years old. So right. he had a lot more upbringing, a lot more time to to learn how to be an orca. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. This is so exciting. Um, yeah. You know, Jerry in the chat room is saying that, you know, her family will be so energized and so excited to have her back, which, of course, we know. Well, I, I am I'm confident of that. Mm-hmm. But they're going to have to work that out. <laughs> you know, well, I yeah. They predict how that's going to be, but it's going to be, you know, definitely unprecedented all the way around and probably kind of tentative for a while, you know, a little bit yeah. of a reintroduction, got to rebuild those mm-hmm. relationships and that trust. And mm-hmm. and uh, it may take a little while, but she's got, you know, the, the language. Mm-hmm. She can speak to them in in the calls that she learned before she went to Miami that they mm-hmm. still use. And so she'll be able to communicate with them right off. Yep. And that'll make her familiar, you know, family. Yeah. So uh, I, I think it'll go well. Mm, it's just, it's so, it's so exciting. I know Jerry is saying something too about when she is, if she, when she's released, you know, tourism, once people start hearing about this, will be huge. Um, well, that, that'll that be an issue, I guess. Yeah. So uh, we... Yeah. I mean, there will be, you know, special regulations around her and, and, mm-hmm. and supervision. Yep. Um, but, you know, I mean, you don't know where they go in the middle of the night. No, we don't, <laughs> so, do we? <laughs> no, so every day is a new adventure. <laughs> it is, it is. And I just remember all those years ago when we used to stay at that west the west side of San Juan Island, that campground, San Juan County Campground, Howard. You know it, I'm sure. And, oh, yes. oh you know, the whales would wake us up, you know, in the morning at like four in the morning. And everybody would run out to the rocks to look at the whales, <laughs> you know, yeah. it was the best way in the world to wake up. For sure. That wonderful sound of those blows, you know. Yes. Blows. yes. I mean, you can hear a mile away. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's the best thing ever. Absolutely the best thing ever. So this is just so fabulous. So awesome. Um, we also want to talk about, about you know, her family and, and 
you know, the whole J clan, you know, J pod, K pod, L pod, because there's a lot of news going on with them as well. I mean, they've been seeing a lot this so far in June. Yeah, well, J pod. Uh, mm-hmm. There have been few scattered sightings of K pod and really nothing, at least, that has been, uh, you know, communicated. I don't know if anyone has seen L pod, mm-hmm. uh, much of L pod for. Uh, you know, a couple of months or so. And there's a couple of sort of, you know, opportunistic, uh, you know, people out in sailboats. Well, that happened, in fact, just uh, two or two days ago. Uh, Some folks saw K-Pod and videotaped them and saw the newborn that had been uh, seen uh, about a month ago. Um, yes. Yes. So they, they got a look, but you know it was kind of from a distance, but enough to say, well, I mean, it, it would be the only one that's a small one in mm-hmm. K-Pod. Mm-hmm. So they they definitely saw the baby, but as the mystery now is who is the mom? We really don't know at this point for I sure. I saw that. I saw that. And you know, yeah. she's the first baby of K-Pod for a long time, right? Yeah. 11 years. 11 years. Uh, Yeah, so... uh, And they've lost, you know, and K-Pod has lost so many members the past few years. I mean, um, Cappuccino, you know, that was gone last year, and I mean, he Uh, was a big force of K-Pod, you know? He was. He was like the flagship of K-Pod. Yes. I just remember seeing him and his sister raggedy right i think they were sister and brother i don't remember but they were always the the troublemakers of the bunch <laughs> and they were always <laughs> together you know i know they were and they were so distinctive so mm-hmm. easy to find mm-hmm. with dorsal fin and and him right beside yes yeah. yes and they were great always getting in trouble <laughs> yeah jerry uh-huh. is saying um we think that l25 Ocean Sun is is Toki's mom, right? Is that what we're thinking? Well, that's presumed, and and mm-hmm. it, you know, thing lines up that that's probably the case. We just haven't gotten the DNA proof of it to yeah. be able to sure. But yeah. in any case, L uh, L twenty five is about ninety plus years old. Mm-hmm. Ninety. Well, by the official estimate, I think she's ninety four. Wow. And wow. so that tells us that Toki has a long stretch of life ahead of her when she comes yes. back. You know, and females in, in uh, Southern residents uh, can live a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Many decades after their reproductive years that end at about age 40, uh, they still can live for decades after that. So, yeah. Well, so. and granny Howard, how old was granny when she passed away? Well, the estimate was over a hundred. Yeah. Um, uh, some people have kind of revised that estimate to be maybe in her late eighties, you know. But mm-hmm. you know, still, that's a long time. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So, wow. Uh, she yeah, was. She, she was great. Old. Yeah. And that's why when people say that Toki is old or she's geriatric or no. something, I, I don't buy it because yeah, uh, it, it's normal for. Uh, post-reproductive females to live into their 70s, 80s, or 90s. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like she, you know, she's got, she's in good health she, right now. Yeah. So why not? She's still got, you know, more than a, you know, a third of her life to live. You know, she lives as old as, you know, Ocean Sun or Granny. And, you know, wow. That is just unbelievable. Can I say it? Um, say it? <laughs> But they were all, and Lummy, Lummy, uh, the matriarch of of uh, K-Pod, she lived to be really old, too. That is true. Um, yeah, she was uh, the eldest uh, for quite a while. She was in her 90s, mm-hmm. uh, maybe 98 or so estimated yeah. When, yeah. when she died. Wow. She was, yeah, oh. she was... I saw her many times too, you know? So, yeah. Oh my gosh. Not okay. that unusual. No. Yeah. And the males live long too because Ruffles was in his 60s, right? Was he late 50s, early 60s when he passed? He was about 60. Yeah. 
to round it off. You know, might have been fifty nine. Yeah. <laughs> might have yep. been. And what a um, life he led. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. He was, yeah, he was, I mean, talk about a flagship. He was the one that let you know, okay, that's J-Pod. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I loved saying Ruffles. And everybody knew who you were looking at with Ruffles because, you know, his he had a huge dorsal fin that was, it was wavy, you know? Yep. Yeah. Um, and he had such character. He had such character, that one. Um, yeah. You know, we are 31 minutes past the hour, so we need to go to commercial break. Um, so stick around. We'll be back in two minutes. This is the Gathering Radio Show on the Para-X Radio Network. In order for the light to shine so brightly, the darkness must be present. Tune in every Monday at 10 o'clock for Dark Sun Rising on the Para-X Radio Network. Heidi, have you listened to The Calling lately? Why, yes, Steph, I have. It's really good. Have you? Absolutely. It's what I would say is a wild and wooly affair. So does that mean it's a wild and wooly Wednesday show? <laughs> well, I definitely think that that's true. So you know we listen, since The Calling is the sibling show to our show, The Gathering. Listen to The Calling Radio Show with Jerry and Kimberly Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Para-X Radio Network. Hi, this is Marla Brooks from Sturm and Cauldron. Thursdays are a great night on the Para-X Radio Network. On the first and third Thursdays of the month at 8 p.m., it's Tango and Friends, hosted by Bruce Tango. And on the alternate Thursdays at 8 p.m., tune in to Stirring the Cauldron, the Archive podcast. Every week at 9 p.m. Eastern, join me on Stirring the Cauldron Live. And then at 10 p.m., stick around for New Aeon Now with Lily Alley, Davron Michaels, and Christine Matza. Finally, to round out the night, join Dr. Kelly Renee Schutz on the Paranormal Encounters podcast. All this, every Thursday, right here on Para-X. Welcome back to the Gathering Radio Show on the Para-X Radio Network. We have Howard Garrett with us tonight from the Orca Network, and we're really, really happy to have you back, Howard, because of all the great news that you've been able to share with us tonight. Well, thank you. Yes, uh, I, I'm happy to do that. I appreciate talking about Toki anytime. Yeah. <laughs> well, we love, we love Toki, that's for sure. We love all the whales out there, you know. Um, one of the things I was going to ask about was what is going on with the whole dam situation out there? I know we've talked about that quite a number of times, you know, about okay. how we want to breach the dam, you know, get rid of the dam so the salmon can get out to the ocean so that there's more food for the whales. Right. Um, well, the, you know, the context is that uh, people are, are waking up or understanding much better now that uh, dams can be extremely harmful to the entire ecosystem because they, they block migrations. And and so dams have been coming down. The Elwha dams came down uh, 10 years ago or so. And uh, the Klamath dams, there's four dams on the mm -hmm. Klamath River that have been argued about for I don't know how many years or decades, but they're basically on track to start coming down next summer. Nice. So those are four big salmon dams. So the focus has been, and now more than ever, is on the four Snake River dams. Uh, and the, the Snake River is the equivalent of the Columbia River, mm -hmm. essentially. It's mm -hmm. the, the largest or equal to the other tributary, which got the name Columbia, but <laughs> the snake could have been called the Columbia and the other would get some other name, but uh, uh, it uh, comes into the Columbia River in eastern Washington, and the Snake River and all of its tributaries uh, go 
high up into the Rockies and all the way to Wyoming and Montana. And are, it, it's all vast salmon habitat. And the part that goes into Wyoming is blocked by dams that, that can't come down. And there's a whole lot of agriculture and diking and everything. But the part that goes into Idaho goes into a wilderness area that is ideal, pristine salmon spawning habitat. And it's huge. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than the entire Salish Sea from, if wow. you, you know, look from, from, you know, Olympia up into Johnstone Strait, all that would fit into this wilderness area uh, that has, you know, historically always produced huge and massively abundant salmon populations until they put in all the dams. Uh-huh. And the four, the four dams on the Snake River are the last straw. They're just too much. There are also four dams on the Columbia downstream, main stem dams, and they do, you know, impact the salmon habitats, but the salmon can survive that. Their populations can survive those dams. Uh, but those four dams on the Snake River are the death knell. They are just too much for the salmon. It's basically 140 miles of dead water reservoirs. Mm -hmm. And it's really the the smolts. It's after they've been spawned and spent a year or so up in the mountains, and then they float down, you know, oriented backwards, back to where Mm -hmm. they came from. So they need to have a flowing river. And they hit these, you know, still water reservoirs, and it kills them. So yeah. that has uh, decimated the populations, and they're losing numbers every year and and on track for complete extinction uh, if something isn't done immediately. I mean, it's going to be real hard to restore them from where they are now, but it's got to be done immediately. And politically, finally, there's some traction, uh, and that really has only come out in the last week uh, because even if the, the, the federal government, you know, they're owned by the army Corps of engineers. So they're federal dams essentially and under the control of Congress. But even if Congress and the white house all agreed, and I think there's a lot of agreement there to remove the dams, they won't do anything without the Washington state delegation, the, you know, our senators and our governor, if they agree. So, uh, and there's a huge backlash machine. I mean, it's been, you know, the, the propaganda to keep the dams uh, has been fierce for, you know, decades. So they've been very reluctant. But this 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 month, actually, they came out with a, uh, a draft plan to remove the dams. I mean, they... Mm-hmm. They, they've announced that, that it could be done, that it needs to be done to save the salmon. I mean, they state very clearly that, you know, this is by far the best and really the only way to to give the salmon a chance. And, you know, the salmon are not just in their own right valuable. They are the, the sort of the, the lifeblood of the entire ecosystem in the mountains as well as in the ocean mm-hmm. and for us most especially for the the mm-hmm. sustenance of the southern resident orcas they depend on those salmon mm-hmm. and have for thousands of years so you know that our our senator and governor are now very open <laughs> to to letting the dams be brought down they haven't said they want to do it you know exactly mm-hmm. but uh, they they are they are open to it, and they uh, you know can see that it really does need to be done. You know that they, they still want some more support. You know there still has got to be a little more collaboration. The governor of Oregon has been very clear and said, "Bring down the dams." <laughs> so, Good. You know there there is a lot of support there, um, and so I think that it's going to build and and I don't know you know the timeline, but um, there's going to have to be some action from Congress and from the White House, and it's all got to be coordinated, and it's just, you know, got to be announced and done. Mm -hmm. So I I think they're very close to that. 
So, so everyone out there, so everyone out there in Radioland, write your representatives and the president and Governor Inslee of Washington, and you know, tell them that you support exactly this. Right. Yeah. Give them, give them cover. Give them, you know, the political mm-hmm. support they need uh, to do the right thing. So yes, absolutely, exactly. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, they're so important. I mean, this is such a complex problem, right? And it's it's good for everyone, not just the orcas. It's good for everyone. I mean, it's just good for the whole ecosystem. Oh, it is. You it know? Is. I mean, the, the dams are, are used for hydropower and for irrigation and for transport of grain. And yep. so, you know, those, those are just sort of human logistical yeah. problems. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. that, that actually solutions have been published for over 20 years about, yeah. you know, how how to replace those services. So right. it it be done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so Howard, we have a couple of, of questions in the chat room. Um, okay. I'll take the first one, Heidi. Um, she's at, This person is asking, do you think genetic testing would be done to confirm or not confirm that Ocean Sun is, is Lolita's mom? Prior to moving her to the sea sanctuary, that won't happen, will it? Because she needs to go back well, either it, way. It, it doesn't, right, either way. It doesn't, uh, you know, it isn't really necessary to do that. But yes, uh, um, that's a very good question. I didn't check with the, you know, the veterinarians and see if maybe they had done that or could do that. But, you know, mm-hmm. then there'd have to be some testing. Um, but uh, yeah. I if, uh Noah could do that, you know, yep. national nymphs could do that. So, um, yeah, I, I would like to see it. <laughs> but do we have Ocean Sun's DNA? I mean, you know, they're, they're I wild. Think I, I think so, because uh, so many have been tested over the years. Oh. And they can get that, uh, well, one way, you know, was the biopsy dart, which is intrusive. Yeah. Yes. A big but it does, you know, leave a, a mark and, and it's got to, you know, smart a little bit. But the non-invasive way is by fecal studies. Yeah. Uh, using the snipper dog, you know, to... The poop dog. Yeah. yeah Eba, <laughs> <laughs> the poop yeah. dog. To, uh, to scoop that up and they can get a wealth of information, including the DNA of the animal. So mm-hmm. um, they, they may have done that I, I'm, I'm not positive if they've yeah. got L25's uh, DNA but you know could they may yeah. and you know what we know that she's Alpine so it doesn't you know I right. I think that they'll take her back Howard even if Ocean Sun is not her mom if she's not her mom she will remember her anyway because it's such a tight knit community you know I think so I, I think so and they have uh, they have capabilities to understand each other mm-hmm. beyond. Exactly. I, I was going to mention something that I've been looking into because I'm curious as I hear about these, uh, these anecdotes, these stories uh, from people about this, what seems to be a kind of enhanced empathy that orcas have. And other other toothed whales, dolphins, uh, may have to a lesser extent, but orcas have this uh, paralimbic lobe in their brain. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but but humans don't have this. Oh. <laughs> it's sort of a, another uh, lobe in their brain that uh, unifies the right and left hemisphere, and it's kind of mysterious, of course, because we don't have it or, or you know know how to can't experiment on any you know orcas so mm-hmm. uh, but it is believed by neuroscientists to uh, improve thought processes and communication and sociability and empathy um, and that really makes me kind of wonder what are they able to perceive to to be able to, uh, you know, understand from others. And then, you know, that's sort of the the neuroanatomy side of it. But then when you look at uh, what happens with whales sometimes, there are just 
some stories that tell you they are able to know what we're thinking and feeling sometimes, especially when it has to do with them or even not. But I, I'll, I'll tell you a couple of those stories because they, you know, they're the kind of thing that you, you can't really explain, but you can't forget about. Um, one was uh, Ken Balcom, you know, my brother mm-hmm. who started research, you know, a completely data-driven objective scientist, and he was doing field studies in the 70s uh, and was caught in the fog, and he was 25 miles from Snug mm-hmm. Harbor. Mm-hmm. It was a complete pea soup fog bank all the way in between, and, uh, you know, he didn't have uh, radar or anything else. He had a compass, but uh, there are islands in between, mm-hmm. you know, the rocks. and so, you know, it was kind of scary. Mm-hmm. And J-Pod gathered around the bow of his 19-foot open boat and guided him mm-hmm. that 25 miles all the way across through the fog. And he knew he wasn't going to hit anything because there were whales all around him. <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> the most awesome story? Oh, it, really is and and uh you know then he got there and the fog cleared and he went mm-hmm. you know to the dock and the whales peeled off mm-hmm. and alexander Morton has a very similar story where she was uh, stuck in the fog up in johnstone strait and the northern resident orcas that she had been studying and they knew her and vice versa mm-hmm. they came around and and there was a cruise ship or some kind of big ship and she could hear it didn't know how far or what direction you know but she was mm-hmm. in the path and so she was getting scared and they came around and guided her safely you know out of the path of the ship and into safety so you know mm-hmm. how did they know how did they feel that they were in trouble that they needed help mm-hmm. you know it's yeah, really hard well. to understand and there are a couple of other stories like uh mm-hmm. when uh ralph monroe was uh holding a ceremony, a service, really, for J6 called Ralph in his honor. And in 1999, Ralph died. Mm -hmm. And so Ralph, the Secretary of State, wanted to do a a special, you know, ceremony for him on San Juan Island right there at Lime Kiln. Mm -hmm. And so he, you know, called in some media and some friends and dignitaries and said, okay, at 1.30, we'll begin and uh, no orcas had been seen for weeks before that. You know, they didn't expect to have any orcas come by. Nobody did. But at 1.30, J-Pod appeared right there mm-hmm. on and stopped <laughs> and started breaching and was very active and and engaged in the they knew. They, they knew. attended. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's, you know, how do you explain that? Well, I think they're very spiritual beings, Howard, too. You know, I mean, anybody who's ever seen them walks away with the spiritual experience, right? And it's something you you never forget. Well, yes. And people who look into their eyes and Mm -hmm. I'm with them. Exactly. um, They feel like they're they're looking into them. They're looking, you know, Mm -hmm. in their minds into their souls. I mean, they really exactly. feel this deep understanding <laughs> coming from the whale. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, well, I, I think it's somehow they perceive what's going on. They see us better yeah. than we see ourselves sometimes. Oh, absolutely. And I seem to remember, and I have never been been there at this time, but they used to have, remember, they used to have the orca sings at the Lime Kiln Lighthouse. And That's right. they would always show, right? I mean, like you said, they, nobody yeah. had seen them for a long time. And suddenly, just when they're singing or when the, it begins, the program begins, the whales show up. Yeah, yeah, that's happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they, they they seem to know, I, I you know, I don't know uh, if it's when you are, you know, visualizing orcas in your mind, you know, just talking about them, thinking about them. Mm-hmm. Maybe that is somehow that radiates out some electromagnetic, you know, brainwave that 
they are able to pick up even from a great distance. Yes. So I, yes. Apparently, apparently that's the case. And that's sort of why I think Toki knows that there is this huge effort and yes. so much heartfelt passion to, to get mm-hmm. her to safety and out of that tank. And so, you know, I think that reassures her that could be part of how she survives all this time. I agree. I agree. Yeah. You think, I mean, it, I would be shocked if she didn't know that something was shifting Mm -hmm. because of the change. Everything's different. She's not doing the shows. She's had this, I bet she has a feeling that something's Mm -hmm. happening and she probably feels their excitement Mm -hmm. and she probably knows that something, she's going somewhere. Yes. Right. Yeah, there's there's no sign that she's upset by it, you know, or or withdrawn, or you know, afraid of anything. So, uh, I I think you're right. I think she does know that. Oh, this th- this is different, and it's looking mm-hmm. positive. There's mm-hmm. more attention. Mm-hmm. The mayor and the commissioner from the county have been in to see her and spend some quality time with her, and um, and what I. Uh, understand is that and they may be doing it right now I, I don't know but uh, that they that the the management had agreed to uh, broadcast sounds and that would include orca calls but you know they want to broadcast uh, the sounds of waves hitting the beach and birds calling and you know I'm not sure what all but they want to just you know give her the sounds of her home Mm-hmm. To give her some more reassurance, you know that, yeah, things are really changing, and 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 uh, you know we're talking about her being in her home. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I think. Oh, absolutely. You know, that'll help. That'll bring her spirits up even more. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and every I think you guys do it every Sunday, don't you, Howard? Toki TV, and yeah, there's. Uh, you know, Annette kind of does the whole thing and you guys all get together and you are such a phenomenal educator. Can I just say I've watched several things with you and, and you are just great. But there is a spiritual like the Lummi Nation. Some elders will be on like Raynell, who was on our last show. Um, and people from all over the world join you guys. So and you talk about Toki and, and usually there's a prayer for Toki at some point, maybe the beginning or the end or whatever. And the love that is shared there is just totally amazing. It's just, it's such an uplifting hour, I think, you know? Um, And for those of you out there, you can find that information. It's on that Orca, I think it's on the Orca Network Facebook page too, but there is one that's dedicated solely to Togete and Lolita. And I did put that information um, on on the chat here. So if you are listening, but you can find it. Anyway, on Facebook. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and if, if people, Howard, if people want to donate money to help this cause because they need money, I know that there's a, a large benefactor happening, you know, that's giving a lot of money and time and effort to this as well. But if people want to donate some money to this, what group is best suited for Tokate's return? Well, I think the, the the people who are most directly involved right now in the the sort of the logistics and nuts and bolts of it would be uh, the the Sacred Lands Conservancy, and that's what Raynell must have told you about. It's okay. uh, the nonprofit that that she and Ellie uh, Kinley started. So mm-hmm. uh, it's it's pretty much dedicated to you know. Getting Toki home. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, I would say that would be the best place. So I will find that, too. And we will post all these links to our Facebook page as well. So for those of you listening, you can go to the Gathering Radio Show's Facebook page, and we'll have these up by tomorrow. Sometime tomorrow, because we'll have the show's recording, too. So you'll be able, you know, people who missed it live can listen to it. Um, then, oh, look. One of one of the gals in the in, or someone I heart Sharky I love Sharky listed the GoFundMe fundraiser so that's Good. awesome thank Good. you so much yay thank you for that 
<laughs> okay, now, Howard, this is a totally offbeat question, but you know, as at our radio show, really, we talk about a lot of um, metaphysical, paranormal, supernatural things. And one of the things that we love to talk about, and this is a question from one of our listeners, Jerry, who is also the host of The Calling Radio, but he wants to know, what is your take on mermaids, and do you believe they're real? Because this is something we talk about a lot on our show. <laughs> I have to profess ignorance. I, I really okay. don't have, uh, you know, any knowledge base to be able to tell about them. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm willing to entertain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would love, I love to. It. Yeah. I'm, I love it. That was just one off the cuff. I love it. Cause you were like, I don't know what to say about this. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't. Yeah. I, I love it. I know every time I'm on the island, I'm always scanning for mermaids, too. Besides the whales, I'm always looking for mermaids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I but, just love the, you know, the, the thought and the vision and, you mm-hmm. know, the, the, the feeling of mermaids. So, yeah. You know, well, that they're real enough to me. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Me, too. I think so. Um so let's just take a minute to, pour, to uh, do a little plug for The Calling Radio Show, which is our sibling show, and they are on tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Para-X Radio Network. And tomorrow night they are talking about the hat man. I don't know what that is. And black-eyed children. So anyway, take a listen to Jerry and Kim tomorrow. It'll be fun. But so, Howard, we have about three minutes left. Is there anything that that you want to put out there and talk about? I think I pretty well covered what I uh, was thinking I wanted to talk about. Um, Just to give a sense of her incredible capabilities, her Mm -hmm. her spirit, her, her resilience, her patience over all these years, She's never been known to harm anybody or herself, you know, and other mm-hmm. whales in captivity bash their heads on the walls yes. or, or chew yes. on the concrete, you know, to their yes. damage. And she doesn't do any of that. And she's she doesn't so you know, kind of lie like she's uh, having, a, you know, an episode or something and laying on the bottom of the pool. She, you know, I mean, she doesn't go into withdrawal and, and uh, you know come out angry or anything like that she just you know somehow perseveres she maintains you know she puts up with with those conditions and even with the manipulations you know to do the shows for 50 years um totally amazing deprivation you know i mean she she understands the rules and she she does accordingly uh but i i just believe that in all this time she has had this clear vision of her return home that you know it's all been some you know crazy trip that has been imposed on her uh that she is going to get past someday in that her real self her her real reality is back where she came from that's when she can help again and i think that's what going and we're hoping for two months howard i'm really excited about that you know one of the other things i forgot to mention though howard was i i saw and i haven't seen it yet but there's a documentary about corky who's from the northern resident community and she's been in captivity for i think even longer than lolita right and she's she's okay too i think well i think so i mean she's amazingly robust after all these Mm -hmm. years uh so it's possible. Um, I, I I don't know, you know, the state of it. Uh, SeaWorld is a much tougher customer yeah. to deal with, you yep. know, to be able to, to negotiate anything. Yeah. Uh, so that's, you know, that's an, another whole set of circumstances to yes. get her back. Yes. But it's, you know, as far as, you know, biologically and for her own good, yes, you know, she can come back Absolutely. to, you know... A, place i don't know if she can forage you know still but anyway yeah she should come back anyway i always have to mention her too because you just my heart goes out to her as well yeah um well there's the music so howard thank you so much for coming on again this was such a, a fun talk and so full of hope and love and we will all continue to pray and you know put that good thought out there 
for La- for Lolita, our toka Appreciate the invitation to come on. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. And everyone listening, thank you so much for listening in tonight. And for the troops out there who may be listening, thank you for your service and please be safe. And everybody in the chat room, thank you so much for all of your questions and comments. We totally appreciate it. Everybody listening, wherever you are, we are so glad you're tuning in again with us this week. Thank you to Parax for hosting us once again. We love being here. And also for Sarge, our most amazing producer, who wrangles Skype every week. Thank you so much uh, for getting us on and having us sound sound good. Yeah, we appreciate absolutely. you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Howard. Thank you.